How would you respond if your entire world was shaken up? We're going to take a lesson today from Robert Paler about how we can do just that and how we can still be leaders despite the feeling that our world has completely changed. Let's go. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. All right, Competitor Nation, we're back with a brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. It's your Chief Encouragement Officer, Jake Thompson, here, and I'm super excited to introduce you today to Robert Paler. Robert was a rugby player at the University of Cal Berkeley when, during the course of a national championship game, his life was changed forever. And you're going to hear Robert, in his own words, talk about that injury, talk about that moment. But more than that, talk about what he's done since then and his attitude, and and how he's attacking adversity. And I think it's an incredible lesson for all of us because regardless of whether the adversity we're going through is something that we can physically see, we're struggling with a physical ailment, we're struggling with an injury, or it's internal. It's something that we can't see and just feels like it's weighing us down. Robert not only gives a systematic approach to how he handled things one day at a time, but how he built his mental toughness and focused on just winning the next choice. It's an incredible interview. I'm so incredibly grateful for our friend, mutual friend Cameron Kondo, who plays at UC Berkeley on the softball team for introducing us and joining in Competitor Nation. And so I'm excited for you to hear this conversation with Robert today. Before we dive into the show, I want to remind you and encourage you to join the Morning Motivation Club. Every morning at 7 a.m. around that time central, you're going to get a text from me with an encouraging message, a motivating message, something to help you start the day on the right note to show up, to make the right choices, to compete regardless of how motivated you feel, regardless of what your circumstances are. I want you to wake up with the right focus and intention to win that day. So if you want to start every morning stronger, all you got to do is text the word podcast to 972-945-9113. That's text the word podcast to 972-945-9113. We've also listed it here in the show notes if you are driving, but shoot us a text, join the Morning Motivation Club, and let's start every day with a stronger focus and stronger intention on how we're going to win it. And as always, to support the show, Do me a favor, either share this episode with someone who can relate to it, someone going through a struggle, someone battling a big fight, a big obstacle, a big challenge. Share it with them as a piece of encouragement. Send them the link, share them the Compete Everyday website, or head on over to CompeteEveryday.com and pick up some new gear. You can use the code PODCAST to get 15% off. That's code PODCAST, will get you 15% off. Grab a copy of my book, Compete Every Day. Grab a flag for your garage. Grab a new shirt or tank for your closet. But be empowered with everything we produce designed to help you take your game to the next level. Code podcast to get you 15% off. And 
you're listening today, I'm going to tease it. We've got something awesome coming in the works that'll be dropping in the next month called the Win Your Next Journal. The Win Your Next Journal. I'm so incredibly excited about this journal. I'm excited about book number two that I'm working on that'll eventually pair with it. But that journal's dropping soon because we're gonna give you a daily plan of attack to help you show up, compete, and win every single day on the way to your goals. So be on the lookout for it in the next month or so. But in the meantime, support the show by sharing this episode with somebody or heading to competeeveryday.com. And using the code podcast to grab 15% off any gear, which helps support our team so we keep producing this type of content to support you. Now, let's get on with today's brand new episode and the interview with the inspirational one and only Rob Paler. Pumped to be here. Man, I am looking forward to this conversation as I was laughing about off air. Uh, we got connected because I was in Sonoma, California, speaking at a keynote, had a free afternoon, took my wife to a winery. And the young lady that was waiting on us is a Berkeley softball player that was kind of summer job. And we get to talking about what I did a little bit and in my brand. And she mentioned you and was raving about you and your story and the work you do. And so I immediately shot you a DM on Instagram. I was like, hey, would love to connect. Would love you have you on the show. And here we are. And so I'm very excited for this conversation. I think our listeners are in for a treat. To kick things off, you have a, a really cool story, and I would wondering if we just kind of start with a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, and then let's talk about kind of one of those life pivoting moments that you went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first off, I got to like pay this person commission or something for getting me connected here. I'm so excited for this and just love how there's people out there spreading love, spreading the story. But you know, name's Rob Paler from the Sacramento Valley up here in Northern California. Uh, probably punching out like 100 degrees today in the summer. So that's just what we do, right? We sweat. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, yeah, lifelong athlete, you know, grew up and started off playing t-ball, loved like football and hitting people, just loved being physical. That was so much my worth and accomplishment was just being a pretty good athlete. And it was in high school that I found the sport of rugby. Now, rugby in America is kind of this niche sport, right? People are like, oh, what is it? It's like soccer and football combined. And it's just a bunch of lunatics out there with notepads, like hitting each other and stuff. And my high school is number one or number two in the nation every year. Jesuit high school, just this hub for rugby in America. And a lot of my friends were playing it. I liked hitting people, right? And they're like, you know, Rob, you're a good athlete. You got a good team. You should try this out. You should really give this a shot. So took a leap of faith. I stopped playing basketball and I uh, put myself into rugby. And I mean, I immediately fell in love with the sport. I got MVP my first year. Uh, we won one national championship. We were the runner up two times, um, team captain of the varsity team. You know, I really found something that I was great at. I found something that made me feel most alive, something I wanted to do every day. And it eventually afforded me the opportunity to go play at UC Berkeley for Cal's rugby team. Now, just to give you a context of rugby in America, Cal's rugby program now, I think it's 33 national championships that we've had. And the championship tournament has only been around for about 45 years. So the success rate is unbelievable. I think the only team that has more championships than that's like the Harlem Globetrotters, right? And like their games are rigged. So, you know, we're doing okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
I'm excited to be there. And I had worked very hard. I earned a starting spot as a sophomore on the number one team in the nation, which is no easy or common thing to do. And we're getting ready to compete for a national championship match, which is my first collegiate national championship title that I'm fighting for. And days May 6, 2017. And my gosh, I remember that day better than any day in my life. I remember waking up and I got those butterflies in my stomach where like it's nerves, but it's excitement too. Like you're ready to compete. You're ready to go get after something. This is a day of legacy, a day that I'll remember for the rest of my life or better or for worse, I'm ready to get after it. We're playing Arkansas state that day. And we kind of knew that we were going to win this game. We were really doing well that season. We had studied their film and we knew what to look out for and how to stop it. We knew their weaknesses and how to exploit them. And it was very early on in this game that I'm competing in a mall. And for those who don't know rugby, that's when the bigger guys, we group together in this single unit and we push forward to advance the ball. The defense's job is to stop us from pushing forward. It's the boiler room, right? It's where the big guys thrive and I'm a big guy back then. I mean, I'm six foot five, 245 pounds as a 20 year old. Like I was put on this earth to move people, move people that don't want to be moved. So I'm like drilling here on this field thing. Let's go, Rob, pound this thing in. And as I'm doing this, the opposing players, they start making these illegal moves and referees not calling anything. So a player enters in from the side, which is a minor infraction, something where you play advantage, allow it to develop, but Ref doesn't call it. And this player also binds me in a headlock. He's got my chin pinned to my chest as he torques down on the top of my head and the top of my neck, bringing me down. Now, normally in rugby, this is an automatic yellow or red card, an immediate suspension from the game, but still the referee's not calling it. I got a job to do, right? Five meters out, it's national championship. Pound this thing in, Rob. I'm doing my job. So I keep pushing forward. The other guy comes in, he chops me down by my legs. And since my head is tucked down like that, I just remember I close my eyes, I grip my teeth and then boom, snap. I I couldn't move anything. I couldn't feel anything. I'm lying in absolute terror. I just woke up in my worst nightmare and there's no escaping this. There's no waking up from this nightmare. Remember my thoughts, they just start running wild right? One second, I'm in the highest moment of my life, competing for the collegiate rugby national championship. I have all these dreams and goals in my life and I'm working towards them and they're happening for me. And now my face is in the dirt and I can barely even breathe. My trainers and my doctors, they rush over to me and they're trying to assess the situation. They're saying, you know, Robert, can you feel this? Robert, can you move anything? My answer is just no, nothing. So I get stretched off the field and I'm rushed over to the hospital. We take some medical imaging and the doctor comes back, looks me right in the eyes. And he's like, Robert, what happened to you was terrible. And the reality is you will never walk again. You will never move your hands and we're going to do our best. So you can do something like pick up a piece of pizza and bring it to your face. If you can do that, you made it. And if you can do that, you beat the odds. Now he doesn't stop there. He also recommends surgery to me through the front of my neck here. My spine had had so much damage done to it that the damage to my spinal cord, which causes the paralysis would only continue unless I were to stabilize that region. And the catch is that it's a potentially life-threatening surgery. So I'm laying there, you know, back against the mat and I don't have a lot, you know, I don't have the odds on my side. 
I don't have some doctor saying that's everything, everything's going to be okay. And these signs of life showing up in my body. No, I don't have any of that, but I've got a goal and I have unbreakable belief that I will do absolutely everything I can to get absolutely everything I can get. I cannot simply accept that I will sit back here and that the words of this doctor determine the rest of my life and my outcomes. No, I'm not going to be in that in the 97% of the folks who don't get out of this. I can't be in that. I'm going to give absolutely everything I have. It's the biggest commitment I've ever made in my life. So I remember saying my prayers and saying goodbye to my family. I made the decision to go into that surgery and they put the gas mask on my face. I closed my eyes and that concluded May 6, 2017, biggest turning point in my life. So uh, there's a lot to unpack with that. And and I have a number of questions uh, surrounding kind of the mindset with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I imagine in the moment that there's a ton of fear, especially when you hit the ground and and not being able to move. Yeah, you remember, have you talked to teammates afterwards about when they realized something was up? Because it sounded like y'all are in just a big scrum or a pack. Yeah, you dropped which I would have thought somebody would have stepped on you, moved around you. Nobody would have seen it at first. Yeah. So, you know, rugby is a continuous game. So we go down, everybody gets up and you keep playing. It's not like uh, football where you get tackled and we all kind of, you know, meander over to the huddle. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's high action. So, you know, these malls that I was in, they collapse quite often and people get up, you continue to play, but I was down there. I immediately knew that I had broken my neck and how severe it was. I couldn't move or feel anything. I was screaming in terror. And, um, and my, play, my teammates, I remember one of them looking at me, Rob, what happened? And I screamed at him, which wasn't very loud because my diaphragm was partially paralyzed. Um, I'm like, I, I broke my neck. I can't move. I'm screaming at him. So he gives a symbol where he makes an X with his arms, shout, put, shouts that over to the sideline. Medical staff runs out there because I look like a corpse on this field. I mean, I'm not moving and the play is continuing. So it was very obvious that I was critically injured. And here's how crazy the sport of rugby is. I mean, they didn't even stop the game. So I'm like lying there. I can't move or feel anything. I'm, I'm like in a very dangerous situation. If someone were to have landed on me, um, you know, stepped on my neck, something like that, I certainly wouldn't have progressed as far as I have today. I might not have even survived. So the medical staff tried to form some sort of barrier that, so when the play came back, which it did, um, they wouldn't land on me, but, but we all knew immediately this is pretty bad. So uh, along those same lines, you just shared that, you know, once you get to the hospital, you get this devastating news. You, you go from being incredibly afraid on the field because you realize what happened to oh, yeah. hearing essentially a hopeless situation from this doctor Mm -hmm. to having to make the decision to take an operation that could potentially kill you. That's got to be just a roller coaster of emotions. And how do you remember just managing it even enough to make the decision to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to not let this doctor define my odds because the overwhelm I would imagine for most people in that situation is, is too much. And so I'm curious if, your athletic background and being able to handle the emotions of games and things like that helped you in that moment? Or, or what do you credit some of that to? I certainly credit to my, to my athletic background, but um, specifically building mental toughness. Now, mental toughness, as we defined it on the Cal rugby team, is the ability to focus on the next most important thing. So in rugby, that means like a ball hits your hands, you drop it, turnover, and you're mad. You know, you want to throw your fist in the dirt and you're like holding on to this moment in the past 
And then as the game continues to develop around you, you're, you're looking backwards. You're looking over your shoulder rather than in front of you at what's going on. More things start to miss you. That's what a mentally weak person would do. What a mentally tough person would do was internalize that, you know, learn from it. I'm not going to do it again, but let's start focusing on what's going on right now. I can deal with that sometime later, or maybe I don't even need to deal with that at all. I need to focus on the person that's running at me right now. And I got to tackle him. Now, mental toughness translated to my injury was I just got hurt. My mind is swimming in terror, swimming in fear. I'm in absolute survival mode. If I chose to take all of that on in that one moment, my mindset wouldn't have been able to handle it. I had to really narrow my focus in. So the doctor that's asking me to try to squeeze his hand, I'm just focusing on that. I'm focusing on squeezing, I'm squeezing his hand, which I couldn't or you know, as I'm going on in these surgeries, I had to sit in an MRI tube for two and a half hours. Uh, you know, my shoulders were pressed to the side, just a few inches of clearance above my head. And, you know, let alone I was trapped in my, in my body ridden with anxiety. Um, I would have loved to be able to put that off a little longer or have a sort of sedative, but those things would have prolonged this process. The most important thing for me to do in that moment was get in that MRI tube and tough it out. That's what I focused on. Just thinking of be mentally tough, be the mentally tough person. But then also this piece of advice that my religious advisor gave me, because when this doctor told me about going into this potentially life-threatening surgery, he also said I could make some phone calls. And the first phone call I made was to my religious advisor. And I'm reaching out to God. I'm reaching out to anything I can to get some healing and some strength here. And um, he, and when he hangs up on the phone call right before that, he gives me this piece of advice that's just like carried me. And he said, Robert, yes, what happened to you is terrible. And throughout this journey, there's going to be a lot of things that you just can't control. But the one thing you have control over is your mindset. So your positivity, your willingness to wake up every single day and fight is up to you. This injury can't take that away from you. As long as you have breath in your lungs, blood in your veins, and a clear head on your shoulders, you can control your mindset. So I couldn't control my body. I couldn't control what was happening to me, but I could choose how I wanted to respond to those situations. I could act in the mentally tough way. I could act in a way that's going to make me better rather than allowing my emotions to overwhelm me and these situations overwhelm me so that I wouldn't react in the best way for the long term. So these tools is things that we have influence over. You know, we don't, we might not have control over our mood, you know, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, but we can be optimistic people all the time. We can be ambitious people all the time and we can choose to take on our challenges all the time. I love it. I love it, man. You're, you're preaching to the choir, to our listeners. That's a message they get hammered with all the time in terms of we don't control what happens to us in life, but we do control how we respond to it, yes. how we use those controllables and show up. So I, I appreciate you sharing. One of the things that you mentioned kind of in the, the, lead up to it is born, born to be an athlete. And a lot mm -hmm. of your identity was being in that athlete and playing rugby. Mm -hmm. One of the things we've talked about here on the show is, is really the transition after sports. And yeah. for most of us, 99% of people that play sports, that career ends before you're ready. Yeah. Obviously there's situations like yours where it's an injury forces it out. Other people, they just kind of run out of eligibility and, and they don't have that talent to make that next jump. Mm -hmm. How did you handle shifting your identity from finding value and worth in being an athlete mm -hmm. versus finding value and worth in who you are as an individual and what you're striving to do. Mm -hmm. 
being an athlete was my purpose in life. Um, my purpose is like, is my motivator. It's the thing that answers that why question that runs through my head. It's that most solid thing I have to get through my challenges and get through the tough times. It's, it's my vision. It's what I'm looking to achieve in the future. And athletics was, was my purpose, you know, really pushing myself and my body and being the best at what I was doing. That was my goal. And that's what I woke up every day to do. I had so much pride around it and so much accomplishment around it. And when it got taken away from me, it seemed I had lost my purpose. I looked in the mirror and I didn't see a body that I recognized. I lost 60 pounds in the first month of my injury. I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't work out the, the weight, the strength that I had worked so hard to build shed off of me in one month. It was gone. Looked in the mirror, I saw the ridges in the sternum of my chest. I just, my identity was gone and I needed to find a new purpose. And how I found it was in serving other people. So when my injury started getting somewhat public, um, we were sharing updates and we were actually asking for financial support for this injury. I'm sure as you can imagine, breaking your neck is not the best financial yeah. decision that you can probably make in your life. And I needed help. Um, and I, you know, I got so much support financially, but I also got this mental, this emotional support that I so desperately needed of people reaching out to me saying, Robert, you have touched my heart. You have touched my soul. You have changed my life by you taking on your challenges. I'm a more grateful person. People telling me I've been struggling with alcoholism and I've seen you take on this challenge. I'm going to take on my challenge with you. And I get the updates, you know, weeks, months, years later, them telling me how many days sober they are and how they were inspired to achieve that by me overcoming my challenge of quadriplegia are people who are looking to lose weight. And they tell me, you know, how much weight they've lost in a certain time period. And, you know, we're in this together. I'm fighting my challenge. They're fighting theirs and we're feeding off this. And it became my purpose. I made this commitment that in everything I do, it will be to make others' lives better. Because when I first got hurt, I mean, I just wanted to walk and get better for myself. And you know, when that changed and I started having this commitment for others, it survived me the 1,553 days that I've been working out now. And I don't get up and continue to fight for the pleasure of going from point A to point B on my feet, because I'll be honest with you, it's very difficult. Me walking right now sucks. It is so difficult for me to do. So I don't get a lot out of it personally, just going from my bedroom to the couch. But to be able to post that video that I do every day, for my workouts and read those messages of the people that are inspired to take on their challenges because I choose to take that step. That's what keeps me going. That helped me find that new identity after athletics, taking that same work ethic, that same sense of purpose and putting it into something else. I love it. Well, and, and the tagline that I know is on your website and live by is from paralyzed to powerful, which yeah. I love and, and goes through. So catch us up a little bit to where you are today uh, and how that journey is progressing for you. It's really incredible um, how far this has come. So when I first got hurt, like I said, couldn't move or feel a thing. And I had to battle pneumonia and couldn't swallow anything. The odds were not looking great. And since then, like I said, day 1553, since that first day on May 6, 2017, I can move my hands. I picked up that piece of pizza. I put it to my face. I guarantee you that ain't the last time I call it eating pizza rehab. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm getting up into my feet now. I can stand up out of my wheelchair, into my walker on my own. And I get on my feet and I walk every day. 
every day. I continued to work at this goal. So I returned back to UC Berkeley, graduated in May of 2020. Um, I run the Big C Society, the executive director of the Big C Society, which is Cal's varsity letterwinner community, but have really pushed hard in this career in motivational speaking, in sharing the tools that have helped me to overcome my challenge. Because the reality is like, you can look at me and you see my challenges. It's the nature of my adversity. It's very visible. And when I look at others, I can't see really what they're going through, but that adversity, the desire, it's there. It just lays within. And these tools that have helped me to overcome quadriplegia, I believe that they can be used by anyone to accomplish their goals. And what has helped me to overcome my physical paralysis, I think can help everybody overcome the mental, emotional, spiritual paralysis that they face in their lives. So speaking to corporations, schools, you know, sports teams, whoever's going through a challenge, which by the way is everybody, to share these tools and it's become the greatest purpose in my life. I'm working on writing a book right now as well, Paralyzed Powerful, to share that journey and share those tools. But um, it's something I wake up every day just extremely excited to do and really makes it to where if I could go back on May 6, 2017 and change what happened to me, I wouldn't. I mean, I couldn't. How could I ever wish away the greatest purpose I now have in my life now? Something that's more important to me than being able to walk or do any of those things. It's really amazing how it's all turned out. So one of the things I want to ask you along yeah. those lines is, is you have a pretty optimistic spirit. And I think anyone yeah. listening can can hear it. Obviously, I get the opportunity right here to see it. I'm curious, and I think some of our listeners probably have this question, is how did you handle man, I would say that the anger, the bitterness, the feeling at the opponents who, yeah. who were playing dirty that caused this, because I know there's people listening and I know there's people that we know that, man, they carry the grudges and they carry the pain and they carry the hatred for others. Yeah. And I mean, it eats them alive. And this attitude of, of living life as the victim, and, and you just stated yourself, like, had you the opportunity to go back, you don't think you'd change it because it, it's revealed your purpose. So mm -hmm. take me through that growth process of how you either forgave them or just let it wash away where you weren't going to let it eat at who you are today. Yeah, man, Jake, I'm glad you brought that up because that pain, that anger, that bitterness, I have been there. Now, what happened to me, like I said, was completely illegal. Um, a rule like this, it was just instated that year that if you so much as touch the header neck, it's an automatic yellow card. If there's any sort of bad outcome or malicious intent, then it's an automatic red. And I had had a horrible outcome. And I started getting these pictures and these videos getting sent into me of what happened because the game footage didn't really show that much. But in these pictures and videos, it was very clear that an opposing player had bound me around the neck, drove me on top of my skull, and it is what broke my neck. It's the reason for all the challenges I've dealt with since that day. So you can bet when I was looking at those pictures and watching those videos of someone wrenching me down illegally and causing all of this, I wanted to be angry. I wanted to hate this person. I maybe wanted this person to hurt like I've hurt. And here's the thing. This guy to this day has never reached out to me. He has never said he's sorry, but I forgive him whether he's sorry or not. And I'll tell you what, it was a journey to be able to say that because when it first happened, I saw those pictures, I saw those videos, I felt that rage within me. 
I had was one of those control your mindset moments. It was mental toughness, focusing on what's the most important thing. How do I respond to this in a way that makes me better? And I knew that all that rage, all that anger is something that brings you down. It's not something that can sustain you long-term. Who just wants to be angry all the time? Did you, did, I'm curious on that yeah. note with that question, is that something that you've kind of always known or were there people alongside you during this point that were trying to encourage you with that message? You know, it was my faith um, that really guided me, um, you know, born and raised Catholic. It was just, it was one of those WWJD moments. What would Jesus do thing um, where I really, that was, you know, part of what, what encouraged me to forgive this player right away. Um, you know, but, but also just that, like I explained there, knowing that I couldn't hold on to this anger, holding that on my shoulders would have crushed me under the weight of all the other things that I was dealing with. So people ask me like, what do you think about this guy? I'd say, I forgive him. I wish him well. And early on, I still had a lot of hatred in my heart. I was not easy for me to say those words. My outward projections showed that I had moved on from it. But from the inside, there was a lot that I was still dealing with. But as everybody continued to ask me that question, what do you think about the guy? I forgive him. I wish him well. I forgive him. I wish him well. And over time, as I continued to say those words, that anger, it went down step by step, that hatred, it went away to where now today, I truly do forgive him. I truly do wish him well. I have completely moved on from the situation. It's important for us to realize that forgiveness is a two-way transaction. Forgiveness is not just to relieve the person who did wrong of their guilt. It's to relieve the person who was done wrong to of all the emotions they're holding on to from that situation. I think more than anyone, it benefits the person who was done wrong too. When we can make that choice to forgive someone or even forgive a situation that's holding us back in the life, when we're mad at the universe, when we're mad at these uncontrollable circumstances that are coming in our lives, when we make that choice to forgive those people or those situations, that's what gives the power back to us. That's what allows us to move forward and see all the amazing things we have going on in our lives. Well, and, and what I really appreciate about that comment and, and you sharing how you went through that is the, just the authenticity of you saying like, I didn't feel this way at first. I said yeah. it. And, and we've talked about that here on the show before with regards to building a gratitude muscle or mm -hmm. working on mental toughness. Like you're not always going to feel it, but the act of saying it, the act of doing it mm -hmm. slowly starts to build it for us. And so for those listening that are dealing with that grudge and it just is toying with your stress and your emotions, you don't have to feel like forgiving them to start acknowledging it on a daily basis and build mm -hmm. that. So I, I really love that uh, story and you being willing to share that. As we wrap up today, one of the things I'm fascinated by, and I love asking people, especially in this position that you're in, because you still have goals ahead of you. You have things yeah. you were wanting to do physically that are still a little ways off. And you mm -hmm. talked about from a mental toughness, it's the idea of focusing what's the next thing I can do that's going to be best for me. How do I yeah. focus on the next best moment? How do you keep yourself trained to focus on today and what you need to do today versus how much work you have left to do or where all you're trying to go and, and, and staring at that gap that a lot of us get stuck staring in versus what do I need to do right here, right now to win that next moment? Yeah, it's, it's a balance. And, um, I kind of lived out this methodology that I'll share with you right now, but I didn't really have the way to put words to it until I came back to Cal and I was in a leadership class over the high school of business over at UC Berkeley and professor is Dan Mulhern. And we're talking about having a vision 
you know, a future that we want to create for ourselves, for those around us, for the world. And um, he told us to think of our vision and how we get there from right to left. So if you think of a time continuum, you know, it always starts on the left and it moves forward and into the future, going to the right. And um, I think that's how we think we just live our days out and make our decisions um, is just kind of reacting to things that are happening right now. And then it eventually brings us in some sort of unguided place or maybe slightly guided place. But he really encouraged us to think about where we want to be first to really spend some time thinking about that, which is something that I absolutely did at the beginning of my injury. I continue to do it today where I'd close my eyes and I'd be laying in that hospital bed. And I'd think about like, what's it going to feel like when I can stand up out of my wheelchair for the first time, when I can go back to school or I can have a family and when I can, uh, when I can go on a run, all these things, you know, I built this hunger, this appetite within me, this insatiable appetite where I would do anything it took to get to achieve those things. So I had my vision, then you got to start breaking it down. So, okay. What does it look like? You know, before I'm able to stand up out of my wheelchair for the first time and what's my quad strength like, you know, what's, what, what do I, what, what's my leg strength need to look like my core strength? Where do I, what hospital do I need to be in to get that kind of rehabilitation? And before that, you know, I'm thinking, well, I got to be able to breathe before I can do my rehab. So I got to fight this pneumonia and I got to be able to, you know, wiggle my fingers before I can get up and hold a walker. And I broke it down to in my present moment, I'm thinking, okay, taking this journey to get where I want to be. What do I do now in this moment to get there? Always thinking from right to left, always thinking of what's the end goal and then breaking it down to what do I need to do to get there? So that, you know, I've have that hunger. I have that appetite because I remind myself constantly of why I'm doing this and what I'm looking to achieve. And that gives me the fuel to focus on what I need to do in this moment to get better. It's very systematized. I love it. I love it. We talk about here on the show that uh, the way you eat an elephant is the same way you eat a donut. You just do it one bite at a time. And so with those elephant sized goals, what's the next bite I need to take? And so I love hearing how you broke it down and systematized it specifically for you, because I think it'd be really helpful for our listeners that are in some of those same spots. They, they struggle to focus on what I need to do today to get Mm -hmm. there. And so it's literally breaking it all the way down. So man, Robert, that was great. So for anyone listening to the show, one, where can they connect with you? And then two, where's the best social media? Because I know you put out some incredible content because I've been following you now for the last month and getting to see it myself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I please encourage anybody who's inspired by the story to follow me and reach out. Because like I said, reading those messages, responding to those followers, that's what fuels me. That's what keeps me going every single day. So um, I'm on all the social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. There's not a lot of Robert Paylors out there, so I don't, I don't have a ton of competition in the search bar. Um, you know, but that one, that one social media page, um, if you just had to choose one, Instagram, because I'm posting on my stories every day, the day number that it is since my injury and that short little video of me getting after it. And I hope that when people see that, that feeds their mental diet and that gives them that little push that they need to go over and work at the things that they want to overcome in their lives, the things that they want to achieve in their lives. So please follow me, rob.paler on Instagram. And I absolutely want to encourage that because it's also an incredible visual representation of gratitude and performance Mm. 
because watching how you get up and attack it, despite the physical adversity we see, we still see the gratitude in that performance and how much building that gratitude muscle influences our optimism, influences how we show up. No matter if we're going through a physical adversity, we can see or it's mineral or it's internal or it's spiritual, whatever that is. And so I encourage everyone to give you a follow as well. And I want to give a shout out to Cameron Kondo, who is yeah. the Cal Berkeley player who introduced and connected us initially. So I was like going through everything. I was like, I got to figure out what her name was. And so shout out to Cameron. I'm going to make sure she gets this episode as well. Man, Robert, this has been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you today and really appreciate you sharing your story uh, and just encouraging our listeners with how they can focus on what they need to do today to build that mental toughness and take on any adversity in life. You bet, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.